Hello and welcome to the final Portadown preview show of 2021-22 season. Um, aptly named the review show. Yeah, we don't miss, we don't skip a beat here in this place. Um, tonight we're joined by not one, not two, but three very special guests, uh, and we're going to talk about them um, 21-22 campaign. So first of all, I'm joined by Johnny Dunlop. Johnny sporting a nice wee early nineties number there. I know. Surprise, it's still fits my knee. I'm not give the secret away that it's not the real thing, but we'll just go with it anyway. <laughs> also joining us tonight uh, is Chris Sherrod. Uh, Chris, uh, are you going to be outspoken tonight, or are you, are you a happy man after the playoff there the other week? No, I like I like to keep my opinions to myself, as you know, Neil. So I'll I'll be very circumspect. <laughs> and completing tonight's. Outstanding lineup. We're joined by Chris Beverland making his debut on the show. Chris has been doing a lot of photography uh, around the club, pitchside photographs and whatnot. Chris, thank you very much for taking the time to join to join us tonight. How are you keeping? Yeah, doing good, Neil. Thanks again for the invitation. Um, really good to be uh, part of the podcast. I uh, I do tend to uh, uh, listen to it every Friday afternoon. Um, I get a half day from work on a Friday, so. Um, it goes in the uh, in the AirPods whenever I'm either doing the gardening or the housework or whatever. So uh, it's uh, I do uh, I'm a bit of a regular listener, so I do enjoy it. Well, thank you very much. Um, you've just secured yourself a place on next season's panel, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and um, before we kick on, as always, don't forget to like and subscribe to We Are Ports TV YouTube channel, and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc., etc. So. It's been a busy couple of weeks. Uh, the last show, we were heading into uh, the Battle of Portadown, so to speak, with a playoff against Annie United. Thankfully, Portadown have came through said playoff unscathed, and we have maintained our premiership status. We'll talk about the first leg. Obviously, Portadown won that 3-2 away at um, Tandagy Road. I'll start with you. Chris, um, considering you had the misfortune of standing beside me <laughs> in the first leg. So um, give us your thoughts then on the first leg. Uh, first leg, roller coaster, wasn't it? Um, great to see such a big crowd around the ground. Um, not much of a night, but I think that added to the atmosphere of it all and the drama of it all as well. Uh, we started, started pretty well and for some reason, thought it was a good idea to leave Steve Murray free in the box a few times. And of course, he's going to take one of them chances. And we find ourselves behind and you start to think, oh dear, is it um, is it going to be one of those? It was never going to be straightforward, was it? It was never going to be nice and easy, three or four nil, go into the second leg, win that two or three nil and off you go. It was never going to be like that. The, the plus point is the second half performance was really good. Um, driven by Billy Steadman predominantly, who just, took control, took the game by the scruff of the neck and made it his own and, and changed the game and arguably changed the course of the playoff as well by that second half performance. So um, you, you're leaving you're leaving optimistic, knowing that we can, you know, we, we should have enough, but equally going into the second leg, I wouldn't say I was completely confident going into the second leg, knowing that we had proven so porous at the back and that we could be, you know, we could have a repeat of that on the, on the Friday night, but thankfully it wasn't to be on the Friday night. The first leg, the weather conditions, if you're playing football on a 3G pitch, you know, it's it, from that perspective, it's just, but as a fan in the crowd, it didn't suit. Chris, uh, you're obviously doing photography for the club. I'm sure it's not exactly a dream sitting in those kind of conditions, taking photographs. It was um, it was a bit of a nightmare to be quite honest, um, but I, I do have to say I'm uh, very much a beginner. Um, so uh, look, Portland have been very good and given me good opportunities this year to get pitch side and so on. And a few um, uh, uh, photography pros have given me a few tips and whatnot. But um, certainly that night, I I pretty much had to just give up um, because it was so wet and um, it continued to rain and rain and rain, and also. The uh, it's quite a tight wee ground, um, but the uh, the floodlights weren't overly bright. Um, and for Anna, say it was a it was a dull night that was raining, so it wasn't a bright evening, and the floodlights weren't overly bright, so it was just a bit of a nightmare um, uh, for me, a beginner. Um, so I did have to I did have to pretty much give up on it um, from a photography point of view. 
But I think um, in terms of an occasion, it had a bit of everything. Um, it was um, obviously, yeah, rained the whole game. But in terms of a, um, a performance, it did have a bit of everything. Um, I thought I thought Portadown um, started really well. Um, got the got the early goal um, and uh, and I guess proud moment for us as a family and so on. It was um, Harry got his first goal for the club, which was great and such a big um, game as well. Um, and I think there were a few big chances just before and after that goal. So Prodown could have been two or three up, um, uh, pretty you know in the first sort of 15, 20 minutes, and then the game just seemed to completely flip. And uh, Anna got again two quick goals. So all of a sudden, from being dominant and in control, Port Down were two one down. And actually, at that point, could have been three or four one down. Um, to Chris's point, there were a few big chances that that left it very nervy. But uh, thankfully, as he says, um, second half, Billy really did step up and assist in a goal, and went back down the road um, three two. And with a feeling a little bit happier, thinking, yeah, we can. Uh, we can do this in the second leg. Johnny, you were a nervous wreck going into that game, weren't you? Can we all agree to finish 10th or higher next season? Because I can't put up with another couple of weeks. I don't think I've been following four down since I was five. And like, so that's over 35 years. And I can never remember a week where I was as nervous about a match or about two matches or a two-legged tie ever. I think probably because we were playing the Anna made it that much worse. Like five or six years ago, the thought of Portadown and Anna, no disrespect, but the thought of Portadown and the Anna even being in the same league, never mind the Anna overtaking us, was, was unthinkable. And I think that made everything just that much more nervy. I don't. I would still have been nervous, but I don't think it would have been as bad if we were playing an, an Ards or a Balna Mallard or, or somebody like that. I think playing Anna Made it made it worse. Um, like like two Chris's were saying there. You know, we started off really well. I think Adam Sally had a had a chance. Um, there's a couple of times I think too Adam Sally and maybe Billy Stebbin as well in the first half got themselves in great positions and either looked to pass it or looked for that extra touch instead of getting their shot away. And before you know it, you're two one down and it was just helter skelter. There's at one point I turned around to Mark at half time and. I was fearful of leaving the Anna on the end of a real hiding, like a four or, or five one at one stage. Um, but like you say, Billy really stepped up, uh, you know, in the in the second half, and we got those two two quick goals. But I made the point after the match. I made the point to, to Michael Ruddy, and you know, Michael could be very opinionated. I was sort of because it had rained all day, and the four G pitch, it was just the ball was flying about everywhere, and I maybe thought, you know. Anna's used to this. They can, you know, they know how to play this sort of way. They're playing on this pitch every week. But, you know, Michael made the point. He goes, listen, we're training on 4G pitches two, three times a week. You know, so it's not as if this is something out of the ordinary to us. You know, it's not as if we haven't played on a 4G pitch in, in months or something like that. We're training on it two or three times a week. Um, so there's no excuse. You know, he said the pitch was, was no excuse. Um, you have to remember too, we have a very young team. You know, you text the likes of of hard out of out of the team there, Greg Hall. There's not much experience there. Um, a lot of the players too haven't that much premiership experience either. You know that bar boxing there, like that was a massive crowd there on Friday on Tuesday night in Friday. I'm sure the players were, were feeling the pressure and the build up to it as well. So I was just glad to get away from the honor on the right side of a of a result. Yeah, like just when you you say there about the crowd, it was it was obviously mostly a Port Iron crowd around at Anna that night. But Anna, to be fair, you know they did manage to get themselves quite a bit of support. I think quite a few Glenavon fans that maybe you know sneak down as well, you know, to, to cheer them on. Like, but it uh, it was good to see on the Tuesday game, of course, because it isn't a big ground itself, and it, like there was plenty of people in, so it was nice tight and come back it was actually a bit of a nightmare at times to see up the pitch because you're like looking up you know and you can't see past the dugout and all and um, well that's where we were standing because we were standing down near the, the bottom corner flag and um it was as well we got in early doors because there were people like standing behind us and all and had a parameter with me <laughs> 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 uh, 
wee man was was running ragged that night, like, but it's just the rain to sort of not put it well, did put it damp on it, so to speak, like because he was soaking like the poor soul, but um he, he took it quite well. But I was just glad that we got the win that night. That was that was the main thing. But even like when we, it was always going to be a tight match, um, because Anna have done tremendously well this season in the championship, but I thought coming away from there, you know, because considering we were three two up, I, th- I, I, I thought the Misavas Bay. I think we'll have it here. It's not confirmed, but I, I'd be confident that you know we'd see them off at Shamrock Park. We'll move on the Friday night's game then because it wasn't it wasn't a great game at all. I thought the Tuesday night game was good, um, especially for neutrals. But the Friday night game wasn't a classic at all, which probably suited Portadown to be honest. Um, and we'll touch as well on. Obviously, the, the club at the initiative, it was free entry for everybody. It was uh, The stream was also provided for free for, for anybody watching. And the place was absolutely packed out, which is what you want to see. But that also added an extra element of massive pressure on the Portadown because you would have got a lot of people there coming down to see here. Is it an opportunity here? Like, like a big club is going to get relegated here. Let's, do you know what I mean? So that was also a, a, another weight on the shoulders. But thankfully, we're past the test with the help of an own goal right at the death. But I'm sure all across the board here, we're all just delighted that uh, we got the job done. Uh, relieved. Uh, I couldn't, I wasn't even elated going out of the ground afterwards. I was just, just such a sense of relief. I hated that. I hated the second leg from start to finish. The only thing I liked was the fact there's such a big crowd in Shamrock Park again for the first time in obviously Boxing Day SA, but it was, to see such a big crowd was brilliant. And the same on the Tuesday night as well, to see such a big crowd at a match in Portland was brilliant to see. Uh, but the whole of the second leg, I hated it. It's just like a typical cup final, isn't it? You, how often do you see a, a cracking cup final at any level of football? It's usually really tense and tight, especially after the first leg being close and it wasn't, there's was only one goal in it. So it was always, it was so nervy, the whole, the whole second leg. There was not, there was very few... Um, series of passes and um, patterns of play. There was none of that. It was just try and get to the finish line. And uh, you know, I love your confidence, Neil. But I even until the until the goal went in right at the end, I was still thinking, this here we could be, we could be seriously undone here at any moment. It was never comfortable, and it was never an enjoyable or comfortable watch for me. I was just let's get this over with here and let's get on with it. So. Relief, relief was the only emotion I had. Obviously, it was great to see the scenes at the end and all the rest of it, and the fans getting on the pitch and taking selfies with the players and all the rest. But that's just an outpouring of relief, I think. Not that's not. There's no excitement or anything about that. It's just pure relief. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that was the same with most of the crowd as well. But again, even in that game, of course, if Anna had got a chance, their goal was. Debatable, so to speak, as well. You know, it was obviously chalked off, but I think there was a bit of a. I think Jathan was blocked off, to be fair, but they didn't really complain about it. But apart from that, I didn't really think Anna really laid a glove on us. You know, I know we, we didn't particularly play well in the second leg at all. Um, and like you say, it wasn't a spectacle in the slightest, but Anna didn't really trouble us. Um, but as you say, there's always that risk and, and that threat that, you know, from a set piece or something like that, and it suddenly flipped. Here we go yeah. again, extra time and penalties or something. So they are it, a good it side. You know, it's not to, it's not to be condescending to them after the event or anything. Like Anna are a good side, and if the circumstances were different, you'd love to see Anna. I'd love to see Anna in the the Premiership. It'd be great to see, but just not at our expense, obviously. But the the strides that they have made as a club, they should you know you take your hat off to them because they've they've come so far. As Johnny says, like the thought of us playing them on an even keel not a cup game or anything like that, you know, on, a, on an even keel where they could overtake us and go into a division above us would have been unthinkable even four or five years ago. So the fact that they've come so far is brilliant. It says a lot about where we've, our levels dropped to as well, but, you know, take nothing away from them. The fact they got their own merit and, you know, there's some good players in there and you talk about experience, you know, our, our side is pretty young. They had the bulk of the experience in their team, boys who, Especially it was on it. It was pretty evident first leg. You know the were their players of experience were guiding them through um, until Billy took over in the first leg. But you know some good good players there and they're a good club and hopefully they can go up 
you know, hopefully I can go up next season. And I genuinely mean that. That's not just to be condescending them after. It'll be great to see you. So it, it would be great to see Alan in the Premiership. Just not at our expense. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I was actually very impressed with their centre half, Lee Upton. Yeah. I thought he was excellent over the two legs and he scored in the first leg. And the, but in the second leg, he was unfortunate, you know, to score his own goal. Well, unfortunate for them, not unfortunate for us, but I think if he hadn't put his foot out, Adam Sally had a tap in anyway. But I was very impressed with him and they have some some good players. But what 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 do you thought? Like, I mean, obviously the big crowd and stuff. What what did you make of the initiative that Portadown brought in, you know, to give free entry to try and encourage more people to come to Irish League matches? Great. <laughs> You know, you can you can't you can't have anything but praise for the club for for doing that, and it's a you know I think it's a nice nod to the you know the loyalty that a lot of the, the fans have shown over the over what's been a difficult couple of years or a number of years. You know, it's been hard, and the fact that you know I, I saw people at the game that hadn't seen it a poor down match in probably ten years, and that's you know that's brilliant to see that. But it's tinged with a bit of. Frustration. I think the fact that it wasn't, we didn't put on a performance, we didn't play particularly well. Did we leave them with a the feeling that, yes, I can't, I can't wait for next season to get back to Shamrock Park? Probably not. Well, you know, will we, you want to be picking up some of those fans to stick with you for next season. I don't know if we did enough on the playing side of things to, to do that. But from a club's point of view, brilliant, brilliant to, to be doing that and showing a bit of, um, giving a bit back to the fans. Chris. You came to the club, you know, in January, hard sign in January as well. A key arrival who's done fantastically well for us. Obviously, scored a, a big goal in the playoff there as well. So he came in and he said it in his interview when he first signed. You know, his objective was to keep Porter down in the Premiership. That objective has been achieved. From from you came in as an outsider yourself. You know, you've came into the club, you've joined the media team and stuff. What What's it been like for you, you know, the atmosphere and stuff recently? Because obviously Portadown had a, a bit of an upturn in results there, you know, around February, March time. And you, you could see, you know, with the likes of Hard Plan and stuff and the, the impact that Paul Doolan's made. Like, what, what's it been like, you know, since you came in, just gradually getting better and better each week or whatnot? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Um and I think even from my first game was the Limavady Cup game. Um, and, and that was a bit of a crazy game. 1-2-0. Um, but there were a few moments in that game where it could have, <laughs> it could have went either way because it was so open. Um, it was literally, um, yeah, it, now look, Porter Down did, did come strong and saw the game through and got a couple of goals and it was you know comfortable, comfortable at the end. Um, but it was certainly quite open. Um, and then they followed that up with um, a really good draw um, at home to Korean. But then falling on from that, I think from memory was away to Dungannon, which was um, was a disappointing one and obviously disappointing for uh, for Matthew Tipton um, because I think he was well-liked about the club um, and that was quite disappointing. I think that ended up being his last game. Um, so that was kind of whenever I started to watch the games Um from Paul coming in, you could see a few things changing. You could see, um, obviously, the team looked to be playing differently. They a much different setup. Um, maybe didn't create that many chances, but they were much more, I guess, resolute and uh, tighter in, in terms of their setup. Um, and they were, I guess, they were they were relying maybe relying on maybe only creating two or three chances a game, but. Um, trying to take one of those um, to, to get a result. So those first few games after Paul coming in, the the uh, the late Crusaders win, um, that was a late winner for them to win 1-0. And then there's the big draw against Glentoran. You could start to see that there's, a, there's an improvement and there was something happening. And I think those games give everyone a bit of hope that actually I, I think they could do this here. Um, and I think the key thing which I could see was that Whenever the team, um, I guess, at the bottom or one above the bottom is actually something to chase, um, I think once they start to pick up a few points, that actually puts a bit of fear in the team above because um, at that point, um, Carrick and Dungannon, after Dungannon took the points against Portadown, I don't think they won for ages. So there's a bit of fear and a bit of pressure in those teams. And then Portadown went in the run and then you could start to see those teams getting closer and closer and that gives a bit of hope the player to pull it down and also a bit of fear 
in the players and those other teams. And you can just almost feel and hear Portadown getting closer and closer. So you could see that effect coming. Um, so it was definitely uh, really exciting from that point of view because you did believe that Portadown were, um, were going to stay up based on that run and what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah, I think you've summarised that beautifully. <laughs> You're completely right there. I mean, it was... I was going to go at some stage and sort of say like highlights and lowlights, but are we are, would all across the board here, would we agree that that Dungannon game in January away from home, would that have been the, the season lowlight? Because I, I, that was the one for me. I was like... No, it was that. Um, I was, I was poor. Or, or the Dungannon game at home. They're all Dungannon games here. Not any performance against Dungannon, but I think for me the lowest point was first half against Glenavon at Warrenview. Where three oh yeah, down, having an absolute shocker. Mm-hmm. Jethro and Bar's gone off. Mishigo then got sent off, and, and you know we'd gone into that with a bit of optimism as well, thinking right, we could get, you know, we'll get a result here, maybe a draw, and then we're three 0 down at half time, embarrassed standing there. And at Mournview, it was just that was the lowest I felt all season. I think. Do you know what? I completely forgot about that game. I just well, completely erased it from my mind. Lucky you, lucky you, because I'll never forget it. I don't think it'll take a long time to erase mm. that one. It was such a, it's left such a scar that performance. Uh, well, here we'll move on from it. Then we'll not talk about it anymore. Okay, so um, Saturday night there was the the clubs end the season due, and uh, with. Hall of Fame inductions for Davy Mills, Kevin McKeever, Vinnie Arkins, and then a surprise induction, Johnny, as our manager, Paul Doolan, was inducted into the Hall of Fame. And the big news coming out of said night was that uh, Paul has agreed to stay on as manager. Um, massive news for the club and, and, and very positive indeed, surely. Yeah, I think it's, it's brilliant news. I think um, Paul's been he's so thorough and so professional you know I hear about you know on the, on the training pitch and all he, he's you know he's so thorough with everything he's fully involved fully engaged in the in the training sessions you know he's he's great contacts you know he, he he's done, been there and done it you know down south um, you know so I'm so delighted that he's 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 agreed to stay at the, on the, the Hall of Fame thing fully deserved as well you know he was pivotal in that double winning season in, in 1991. He only missed two league games that whole whole campaign. Um, brilliant. Dave Wiggins' favourite memory of that season is, um, I think, is it him and somebody else sandwiched Greg in the in the cup final just before Stevie scores. If you watch that back, I think Doolan and the Glen up there have uh, put Greg in a sandwich before um, Stevie scores. He always laughs about it, but. No, brilliant, fairly deserved and great to, to get him over the line. Were you happy with that, Chris? Then it, it, Paul's obviously made um, such a like such a massive difference because I think a lot of people did have us down for getting relegated, and then obviously you know the tide changed considerably under under Paul. Um, yeah, no, I'm pleased. I'm pleased we've got a manager in place. I'm pleased we've got someone who who knows the club as well. He can't argue with his pedigree. He's you know he. He's very thorough and he does a good job. Um, but he's still got stuff to prove. He's still, you know, yes, there was a, we had a purple patch. Um, those four games where we went on to fit on, on beating around, what was it, end of February throughout March. That was great. We lost the momentum in the game. I think the game, the next game was meant to be Cliftonville, wasn't it? And then it was pushed back a week. We lost momentum anyway. But you can't get away from the end of the season either. You know, if you're, like we had no wins in the last six either up until the playoff. We lost all the you know, we lost momentum big time. So, you know, it, it's good he's gonna come in now. Everything's confirmed. He, he knows he's the manager, the players know he's the manager. Get a pre-season under his belt, which is always key, I think, for a manager to 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 get their identity under a team. But he's got he's got work to do. And I'm sure he knows that he doesn't need anybody to tell him, but he's got work to do to develop a squad and develop um a, quality, a level and a standard that's going to be good enough to stay in the in the league next season because, quite frankly, the season just gone was a was a disaster. Yeah, what do you think, Chris? Other Chris? <laughs> um, yeah, look, I think there are a few really good points made there. Um, Johnny, you talked about uh, the training sessions. 
And I think, um, Chris, you've just mentioned uh, about standards. Um, I think on the training pitch, I think I think he's come in and I think everyone straight away could see his attention to detail. Um, he was all over the detail and fully involved and fully in control. He was controlling the sessions. He was controlling what was going on. And I, I think his, um, his clarity of communication, I think, was, um, was key. Everyone knew what was expected. Everyone knew um, what he was asking them to do. And I think in any form of management, I think that's really, really important that, that people know exactly what's expected of them and, and what their role is in the whole system. And I think you could see that as the season then developed in the second half, that the team knew, the players in the team knew what they needed to do in order to get a result. And I think that was fundamental to that. Um, Chris mentioned that purple patch. That was fundamental on that. You could see every player knew where they're meant to be in, ter in terms of a team shape. And I think that was why Portadown were actually quite difficult to beat. Um, didn't score a lot of goals, but were difficult to beat. Um, so I think that I was really pleased um, with the outcome of that, that the Portadown have now got a manager. It's confirmed two years. It gives the, it gives the players confidence that, okay, there's, there's now a manager here, two years. Um, and it then gives the club a time and Paul time to go after the type of player he wants and start to build something. Um, so look, I think it's very encouraging. Um, he's got a big pedigree as a player and a manager. He's been really successful down south um, and you can see what he's trying to do in the second half of this season. So I, I think it is really encouraging. Well, that's key. The recruitment's going to be key, isn't it? You know, he needs, like obviously he knows the League of Ireland inside out. He knows a lot of the, you know, from working with the underage groups at the Republic of Ireland as well, he knew a lot of the players who have the ability and the talent. But, so that's key. The recruitment is going to be key, given the tools to work with, because the manager's only as good as the players that, you know, they've got at their disposal as well. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what that looks like in terms of recruitment and, you know, who stays, who goes as well. And, but I don't think anybody could argue with the fact that we do need improvements there in terms of the playing personnel because, you know, um, otherwise we're, we're going to be faced with the same situation next season, unfortunately. And, and, and Doolan can only do so much with them as well as any manager. You could, you know, give that set of players to any manager. You know, I think Doolan's got what he can from them, but we need to back him now and try and... And he needs to be... Uh, I'm sure he is tapping into all those contacts he has as well and trying to get players who, who can who can play at this level. Well, that's what the next question was going to be. If you three were in charge, if, if you were in charge of the club, if you were the manager, is there any particular position you would strengthen? I think the whole spine is strengthened. I think we're looking at the number of goals we we didn't score. You know, we scored 28, I think, in the league all season, which is by far and away the worst. So we need goals. We need biting midfield. We need to control the game. I think the only area that you know I'm confident about is if we can keep Big Paddy fit. Paddy and Hard at the back is a good, is a really good centre-half pairing. Um, and that will give us real stability as well. I think you saw the difference when they played together towards the tail end of the season. That give that breeds confidence for the rest of the team then, knowing that there's a, a solid back line in place. So hopefully... Hopefully they can stay fit and, and get a run of games going together. But aside from that, I think trying to find a goal scorer, that's every team's trying to find goal scorers, aren't they? But if we can find it, somebody who's going to put the ball in the back of the net, then that's half the battle. But equally midfield, I think, you know, since Luke Wilson's injury and since he's been out for so long, I think we're lacking in the middle of the park and we're being overrun a wee bit at time. Well, a wee bit, we're being overrun by quite a few teams. And even the likes of a Dungannon who can play football, they were playing around us very easily. We saw that every time we played them last this season, last season. So there's, I think those are the two, first two areas I would be prioritizing. But it's easier said than done, isn't it? Trying to find, trying to find a guaranteed goal scorer. It's um, if we knew where that was, then we would be rich men. Amazing. Chris wants a new team then, essentially. <laughs> uh, new team, not a new club. Uh, no, we're second bottom and we've, you know, we won. I mean, we beat three teams last season, didn't we? We beat yeah. 1.3 times. We beat Ballymena and we beat Coleraine when they're in a real dip. But, you know, so you can't gloss over the fact it was a shocker of a season. And, you know, yep. if we had a great team in place, then we, we wouldn't be 
having posting those sort of statistics. So there's a lot of work to do, but I do trust in Doolan. I do uh, I do think it's a good appointment. We'll just we just need to see what sort of team we go into next season. Because I mean I think Irish league experience is going to be key to finding players who, who've played at this level, proven they can play at this level. Not I'm not talking about players on the way out at the end of their careers. I'm you know I'm talking about players who Michael Ruddy is the perfect example of it. I think the fact that he's you know, look at the difference he made in the team. Howard and Paddy, boys who played in the Irish League, they've tended to be our better players. So I, that's what I'd be desperate to find is players who can, who've played Irish League, you know, have got Irish League experience. Now, will we, is that the route we'll go down? Probably not. I think we'll be looking at the League of Ireland market, won't we? But I would like to see a bit more Irish League experience in the team next season because... At least there's there's not that unknown factor when the teams go on the games and go and playing against teams. They they know what they're going to be facing. Mm. Yeah. Would you add anything else to that, Johnny? Would you be similar opinion? No, I would totally echo what what Chris has said there on both points. I think we badly need a goal scorer. Although, again, like Chris said, you know everybody wants a goal scorer, but you know I think arguably our recruitment in the summer really let us down. Um, I do think that we need to be going for experienced players that know what the Irish League is all about. You look, hate to name names, but you know, like Orrin Jackson, Sammy McLeod, you know, both were away by just after Christmas, if, if not before. Arguably our best players this year have been players, far the like, far Jathrin, but Hard, Michael Ruddy, Holly McNally, players that know what the league's about, being there, Done it, you know. Then you know what you're getting with them. We can't afford another season of bad players that have no experience of the league that nobody knows anything about. Because I know every signing's risky, but signing a, a complete unknown that hasn't no experience in the league is more riskier than than most. And I do think we need to go down down that route of you know in the main. Don't get me wrong; I don't expect everybody to be an experienced Irish League player, but it needs to be the core signings. Of, or the core of your signs that you're making knows what the league's about. It felt it felt very scattered on as well over the you know the last few years where you just let's bring a load of players in hoping that one or two are good, um, and and they haven't been you know they've not they've, they've just passed through they haven't even touched the sides they've just come all of them just come straight through the club and they haven't left the mark at all and you just you know I'd rather have a bit more of a target approach um, and you know. The players that we've seen in the Irish League know that they can play in the Irish League, know that they can go to the Oval and they can go to Windsor and they can go to Solitude and they can go to all the, and they can go to Carrick and Dungannon and they can go to these grounds and know what's expected, know what the ground's going to be like, know that, you know, what the support's going to be like, what, what they're going to be facing, what the standard's going to be like. That, that, there's not, those unknowns are dismissed instantly then, so they know, right, just get on with the game. The, sc- the scattergun approach we've tried, and I don't think it's worked. You know, we've had, we've picked up a few here and there, but by and large, I don't think that policy is really yielding the results that you'd be expecting or hoping for. You can't tell me that there isn't a player or two in the championship even that would have offered more than some of the signings that came in 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 January or at the start of the season. You know, um, I do know that, you know, Matthew kept saying about the wages that players within the Irish League were after and he felt he could get better value from players outside of the league and stuff like that. But ultimately, you get what you pay for as well, which we find out probably to our cost. Um, but you need to be you need to be clever about it. You, can, you know, if you, all right, if you don't have, we understand what the restraints are in terms of the budget, etc. But, where else are you scoring? And so Lee Bonus is a perfect example. Banging them in for Seagull, give him a go. See, is he capable of stepping up? Very quickly proved he was. And then you've got a player who's gone on to do what he's doing and will go on even further. Are we scoring that? Are we picking up the bet? Corrine's approach over the and policy under Warren over the years has been the local leagues. A lot of those boys playing for Corrine's first team I covered as a journalist in the Corrine and District League. James McLaughlin and Ian Parkland and all of those boys. Uh, Lyndon Kane came through the youth set- setup, but you could tell he was good, going to be good enough for for Coleraine's first team. That's the that approach is taking Coleraine to an Irish Cup win, a League Cup win, and a couple of second place finishes in the league. So it can be done if you're clever about it. But the, you know, those are players who it means something to as well, which I think you know is a is a big part of it. You know, it needs to matter to players. 
because then you're going to get 100% from them as opposed to, like I said, the players who it's just another club. You see their CV, they've had dozens of clubs. We're just another club. Are they really going to be giving you 100% or are they just here to try and take the next step on? So I think it's a big summer in terms of the players we look to bring in. And as I said, I'd like to see that connection ideally to pour down and certainly to the Irish League if we're going to have something different. Something has to change. I think the recruitment has to change because, you know, if we continue to do the same things, then you're going to, you're going to be in the same situation, aren't you? Yeah, I think, I think there's been a few really good points made there. Um, and I think, Chris, you're, you've sort of referred to a couple of points around the local players and you've used a good example there. Um, if you've got the local players, it, it means something. The club means something. They can, they can, um, I guess the supporters can identify with that player and get behind that player and then and then that maybe brings more fans out because there's local players playing. So I guess you've got that element. The young player aspect, I think Portdown have already got that. So I think that ticks a big box there. And I think the the season that they've had, um, I think will be invaluable for the experience of some of those players. Like um, if you think of um, uh, Oysen there that, um, that played out in the wing, like that guy I think is only 18 but look at how many Premier League um, matches he's played this year. And then George in the middle. Again, he's a young guy. Look how many games he's played, and um, particularly in the second half of the season, and has done really well. So you've got the young player element as well. Um, that also needs to be combined with the experience. Johnny, which you mentioned, I think that's really important, particularly down the spine. Um, but I think fundamentally... Um, um, and, and you mentioned a few points around their kind of scatter gun approach. I think fundamentally, they have to be players that are going to fit um, Paul's style um, um, and what Paul wants to do, um, and be uh, and I guess fit into the jigsaw. Um, so I think targeting the right type of player um, to uh, to fit into his style and what and how he, how he wants the team to play. I think that's fundamental to to any signing. Yeah, so I think that's uh, all pretty interesting points that you've made and it, it echoes pretty much, I think, what a lot of people do already think. Um, there definitely does need to be an improvement, otherwise we will be back down there next season. Of course, that's exactly where we don't want to be. Um, obviously, in an idea where you'd really want to kick on, but I think given the current climate in the Irish League, uh, you know, it, it, it is going to be exceedingly difficult to push into the top six, um, given the financial progress, so to speak, of you know the so-called bigger clubs and full-time clubs and whatnot, um, I just want to deflect away from Portadown um, for a wee minute, and then we'll we'll we'll, we'll close the show talking about us. I just for, for all four of us here, I just want to talk. If if we were able to pick something from outside the Irish League, or sorry, outside the Irish League, um, outside Portadown to talk about. For each each person here, which club for you has performed the best? And I, I'll include the whole the whole shebang, the cups as well, not just the league. And which club has performed the worst? So, Johnny, you can go first. Who what what's what's been this like? Who's been a surprise package? Who's been the bitter disappointment? Who's punched above their weight or whatnot? Um. Well, I know what club would be picking for a better disappointment. Um. I think that's probably the easiest answer. Um. That once had a shocker of a season for a, a full-time club signing players for a hundred grand in the summer, and um, to not be in Europe next season, and um, to not even take the title race down to to the wire. I think that's if I was a Glentoran supporter, I'd be bitterly disappointed. Um, surprise package is a is a tough one. I'm going to go for Crusaders, you know, because. I sort of thought Crusaders would struggle. Um, surprise package. Sorry, the obvious one's Cliftonville. Don't know how I forgot. You know, <laughs> totally had a, a bad out of my mind. No, Cliftonville, certainly. To have the season that they've had, you know, part-time club competing with your, your Glen Torns, your Linfields, um, your Lawrence. To, you know, to take the league down to the final day of the season is a brilliant achievement. Um, particularly, I look at the league now and I sort of look there's nearly four leagues in one I sort of looked at the full-time clubs where you have your Linfields, Glentorns and Lorne and then underneath that I would have put in probably your Cliftonville your Crusaders Coleraine I think are much of a muchness though it didn't know with Glentorne for a second that sort of theory was blew out of the water then you have your 
Glen Avans, you know, your your Balaminas. Um, and then you have us four, which is Bordown, Warmpoint, Dungannon and um Carrick. So no but Cliftonville, brilliant, part-time club sitting second, showing the other full-time clubs how to do it. Had a brilliant season. Yeah. What about you, Chris? I don't th- I only think two teams have overperformed. Um Cliftonville, as Johnny says, taking it right to the last day and playing some great football as well. Their home form in particular was really good. And Dungannon, I think, have overperformed considering where they've been over the last couple of years. I think some of the football they've played, the you know, especially before they lost the lost a couple in January, um, they played some great football and they tore us apart on a number of occasions as well, completely outplayed us. So I'd say Dungannon, obviously they they tailed off a wee bit as well, but they still were pretty comfortable. And in the end, um, I think those are the only two teams in the whole league who've, who've, who could say or could be could say they've overperformed. I think Linfield win the league, that's par. I think everybody else is below what their expectations should be and would probably would have been before the season. You can go right from, from Lauren coming into the season, would have expected to be in a title race. Glen Torn is an absolute catastrophe for them, not coming away with nothing, not coming away even with European football. Like, so, but even you can look at Coleraine have underperformed and they've had a difficult season in terms of the playing personnel as well. Um, Glenavon have greatly underperformed as well, given the wage bill and the players that they brought in. Irish League winners they brought in, you'd have expected them and they would have certainly have expected to be um, maybe top six anyway. So that for them to be languishing down with us in the bottom six, they can be very disappointed with themselves. Balaminas had a nothing season as well. Um, Carrick started well, fell away, probably ended up par for where you'd expect them, Warren Point. Uh, you'd expect, you probably would have expected them to finish where they finished. And I'd say most people would have maybe expected us to be either second bottom or third bottom. So I, I don't think, I don't. I only think Dungannon and Cliftonville can be delighted with their season and Linfield will be satisfied, obviously, and pleased that they've won the league. But I don't think that's over-delivering. What about Crusaders? Cruz, but you know, hot and cold. They've, got, they've they've won the Irish Cup, but what's you know they're a full time team, aren't they? You know you'd expect playing playing full time. They they were never in the they were never in the title race, were they? They were never blow. They never blew. They never went on a, lo- a run of win 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 win. Did they? They're, they're sort of hot and cold, I think as well. They just they timed it well with the Irish Cup. They moment they had the momentum at the right time and. The, you know, the cards fell in their favour on the day in the final as well and they come away with the cup again and you can't take it away from them but I mean as a full time team they should be they should be certainly competing for silver see they're not fully full time they're like it's weird it's like three quarters full time according to their it's not their uh, description their Twitter, their Twitter. Uh-huh. three quarters yeah. professional club they're, so basically you've got a handful of players that are full time but it's like not full time to the extent of what Lauren is for example you know I think basically they're they're, they're they train like three three times a week instead of two maybe I I, I can't yeah, remember the end of it. full time, isn't he? Uh, yeah, I think so. so. He's got full time manager. That's his job to manage Crusaders. Yeah. Like you'd expect them to be. They should be. Well, I mean, I mean, at the start of the season, a lot of people were tipping them to be not even getting in the top six. So the fact they finished fourth and won the Irish Cup, I mean, you'd bite your hand off for that surely. But um, yeah, I. I Sorry, I was just going to jump in and say I actually um, had had them right. I think they've been one of the successes of the season. Um, I think. I agree. Uh, Chris, you made a good point, maybe in terms of the expectation, um, but I think with the level of investment from some of the other, let's say, fully full time teams, I think them finishing. Uh, I think it was fourth they finished plus the Irish Cup. I think they would have taken that at the start of the year, um, based on. The level of investment from, um, I guess, Linfield and uh, Glentoran. Cliftonville actually, I think, invested quite a bit as well, but have, have flown below the radar in terms of the level of investment, but they have signed really well. They brought in uh, that centre-half, um, Turner, um, I think, on loan from Aberdeen. I think, uh, um, he did he get or was in the running for Young Player of the Year, but he was exceptional. Um, and I think Johnny Addis gets the plaudits, but I think the guy Turner was um, was equally as good, if not better. 
Um, so I think they signed really well. So I guess for me, those two, Cliftonville and Crusaders, I think probably did um, did well um, this year. I guess the expectation is Linfield are always there, thereabouts. Um, in terms of teams who maybe flatter to deceive, um, I think um, the two for me um, is probably Corian and Lauren. Um, I think Corian, from being up there and challenging for the last number of years, have set quite a high bar, um, and, and I think this year they they uh, they got a defeat by Linfield in around Christmas, and I, I think they never really recovered from that, and they really struggled from then on in. Um, so I think they have probably struggled since then um, and, and had a pretty difficult season. If they finish somewhere in the top six and take home that league cup, you're probably that probably changes their season slightly. Um, so small margins. Um, um, and I think Lauren, um, I think Tiernan Lynch making a couple of those changes at halftime in that Lens game transformed their second half. So again, small margins. If they didn't get Europe and win that playoff, again, it was a bit of a disaster. However, he's turned it around, a big, um, a couple of big changes at halftime, and they've ended up getting Europe. So they've probably changed a pretty disastrous season into they've got Europe, and you take that. Do you know what, Chris? You have just said exactly what I was going to say. That game last Friday night is one of the maddest games I've ever watched. And Glentoran were in absolute cruise control. And they just, they snatched a defeat from the jaws of victory. Like they threw that game away. I couldn't believe what I was watching on the tally. And, you know, you're totally right. I think Lauren getting Europe has saved them a wee bit because I think they vastly underperformed this season. And I think it's, it's saved Tiernan and Lynch's job, probably. I think if Lauren don't win that and don't qualify for Europe, I think Lauren make a change in the summer. But I think he's probably bought himself another season. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But I wouldn't be. If, if the team manager in the next, over the pre-season before Europe, I wouldn't be surprised either because yep. I like could crack at it now. And, you know, I don't think... They were papering over the cracks there with that, the way that you know that went for them in that game. But I mean, it's obvious that they've they've fallen well short. And I hate the fact that there's an element now that we're pleased, that, not pleased, but you know, it's good that Lauren are in because Lee Lee Bonus gets to play European football. I hate that now. I hate the fact. Oh, I hate that. that. No, no, get, sorry. Oh, there's I, something good about Lauren being in Europe. No, I I I agree with that as well. Um, I'm sorry, I'm not having it. Um. Great guy and stuff, but not our player anymore. So not having that nonsense. <laughs> um, but it, it it was it, it was mad that that match. It was just literally like the big red button, and Glen Thorne were just like, oh well, we'll press it. I why not? Dang, and there it goes. <laughs> you love to see it, was, don't you? You love to see them implode and continue to be a, a basket case. Um, <laughs> he don't. He don't borrow. Well, you, if he didn't have such a stick in the club and to, off the field, you'd have said he was on borrowed time. But he basically gets to the pick his pick when he goes, doesn't he? So he'd be there. Obviously, just great. Which is great have you seen else. the Twitter account doing the rounds today called Angry Rooster? I haven't, but it's the first thing I'm going to check after this. Hey, I, I got Santa just before this podcast. Sorry. I've it's been updating all day and it's quite amusing to be fair. So go and check that out. As soon as it gets it gets sent in, one of my mates sent it and I didn't even need to open it. And just when I saw the caption Angry Rooster, I was like, this is definitely Glentorn related. And I was right. So it's um it's worth a read, so to speak. But uh yeah, uh, I think we're all agreed. Crusaders, well, Crusaders have done well season, Clipville have done well, and um, obviously Linfield won the league on all like um I think a lot of teams have underachieved as well. Like, of, of course, ourselves included. And um, let's not take away from that. Um, but we'll move back to Portadown here, and we'll we'll finish up with the show. Um, Michael Ruddy did exceptionally well at the end of season. Do there, you know, he, he won a vast amount of awards. Would there be? Would we all be in unison here by saying he'd be your player of the season because he was who I voted for in the BR Ports? Um, Player of the season vote to be fair. Um, would you all would you all be in unison with that there, or is there anybody else that's you know as as sorry has played particularly well that you know thinks it deserves a mention? You know, I don't think I don't think he's fending off loads of um, competitors for player of the year. Quite frankly, I think he's 
you know, you're down to, I, in my mind, you're probably down to three players, as in who could win it. You're talking, yes, Michael Ruddy, Jethro Barr, Greg Hall. I think to, to me, those are the three. Oshin, if you give a young player award, I would give it to him. Um, but Michael Ruddy's been, I'd say, the, the best of the bunch for us. Honourable mentions, obviously, for the likes of Hard, who's come in and made a difference. And, um, and, you know, I think he'd be a great asset for us next season as well, which is, you know, great having him at the club. But in terms of over the course of the season, I think Michael Ruddy was the outstanding player, not just for how he played, but I think for his leadership that he showed on the pitch as well. And, you know, the fact that it mattered to him, it, you know, you felt that it mattered to him and you felt that he was given his all in every game as well, which as fans, that's that's all you want to see, isn't it? You want to see someone that's playing for the Bows and playing for the shirt, and he did that. Um, but Jeffrey Bard, you know, a few good games, a few games where he, you know, where he could have probably played a bit better, but by and large, he, I think he had a good season. And Greg Hall's Mr. Dependable, isn't he? He's Mr. Steady, and again, he didn't let us down across the whole of the season, but I think it's fair enough that, that Michael won the awards, and, and hopefully we can give him give him a bit more support in terms of that level of quality and that level of commitment next season as well. Greg won Players Player of the Year, so we did Greg Hall. Saw that, yeah. Yeah, that's great. And you can see why. Like, he's... You know, he never lets you down. He never plays less than seven out of ten, does he? And mm-hmm. um, and he's been doing that consistently for us over the, since he's been at the club, really, as well. So, it's, you know, he's, he's one of those players you need in the changing room. And you can see why... The player, the other players and his teammates have voted him that as well because he's mm-hmm. because he is so dependable. They know he's not going to let us down today. Yeah, I think you guys have mentioned probably the key, the key players there. Um, certainly since since I've started doing um some of the pitch side photography, typically the players that I see up close are Michael Roddy and Greg Hall, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, first and second half. Um, so yeah, look, I would tend to agree with that. Um, um. Obviously, I've missed um, the first half of the season, so I can't really comment on that. But um, just in terms of Greg, um, a real unsung hero. And I think you see what um, other players uh, either tweet about him or say about him, that he's just a real nice guy um, and a real dependable player. Um, I think there's a couple of games that just stand out for me. Um, Was the Crusaders game... Um, where um, the Ports lost 1-0 towards the end. He was marking Paul Heatley and at different points, uh, Ben Kennedy, uh, you know, arguably two of the best players in the league. Um, and I think Ben made the team of the season. Um, Greg Hall did a really good job that night um, on both those guys at different points. Also against Glen Torren, if I remember right, I think he was marking McMenamin at different points in the game. And again, didn't look out of place. Um, and I guess I'm biased from sitting at that particular point in the pitch, so I'm, uh, I guess I'm closer to that. But those are a couple of games where you could see um, Greg playing against top-class opposition, top-class players, and uh, putting in a real good performance. Yep, yep, you're entirely right, Greg Hall, Mr. Dependable. In fact, Greg is who my dad voted for, for player of the season. Um, my dad's a, a big fan of Greg's. Um, Chris, you're saying there you, you were you know, obviously been taking a lot of photography. You were taking some took some great pics at the, the event there the other night, of course, with um the likes of Vinnie Arkins and whatnot. Um, but tell us this, how did you manage to miss Dave Wiggins tripping and falling and <laughs> hitting the stage? Imagine you had I got that on camera, that would have been absolutely tremendous. Uh well, not to be too nerdy, um, but I would have to have had the camera on um, extremely, uh, extremely fast shutter speed to get that one. Um, uh-huh. He, uh, I was actually looking the other way because um, I think in those types of events, you're always looking to try and get the natural shots of people, you know, enjoying themselves and, and as I say, get those natural shots. So I was looking the other way, and I just heard this sort of two to three stage tumble, and I just turned around. <laughs> what? <laughs> what was that? Um, um, and there was a. Uh, uh, there is Dave um, lying on the ground, um, uh, swamped uh, in Guinness. And uh, I was just wondering what on earth happened there because <laughs> there was no one near him. Um, but look, uh, Dave's a really a really nice guy. So um, thankfully, a lot of other people missed it as well. But um, yeah, it was just unfortunate for him. 
I was I was I wasn't there. So what like what caused that? Was he inebriated or was he just trying to get a picture with Greg Holland tripping over himself? <laughs> <laughs> no, so so basically what happened was Dave was doing compare. So he was up at, at the front of the, the room chatting on the mic and you know introducing people and whatnot. But before we really kicked into the ceremony, he was whilst on the mic. <laughs> <laughs> he had the mic in one hand and he had been given a pint of Guinness in the other and I think it was, I think it was actually Greg Davison I give that I think and basically he was walking back and at the Seagull there's like a stage but there's like we like three steps and he was just stepping back and <laughs> he didn't see the steps and hit the steps and fell over but and dropped Guinness <laughs> it was it's actually. I hope they see if there's CCTV in that in that room. Like, oh, it would be on. You've been framed without a doubt. It was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> uh, and then um, I guess there was a big you went up afterwards, wasn't it? Yeah. Did it? <laughs> oh yes, oh yes, it was outstanding. Like, um, oh, uh, oh, brilliant. Yeah, but the funny thing was like. We were sitting, me and Johnny and Chris were sitting up at the front, so we had a great view of it. But like the likes of my dad and all who were sitting at the back, they didn't see it. They didn't know what had happened. They're like, why is it why is he stopped talking? It's like he's, he's taken out. Um but yeah, it's quality. Sorry, Dave. Um uh I have to include that there. I've also been in, informed, I have to include this too. Um obviously Kirsty, saying it's the final show of the season, always gets a laugh out of us for some reason. So she fired this in the back of the cupboard, like so. I better hold it up to give her a wee moment. Um, yeah, she said yeah. she'd be back because she she really enjoyed the chippy van at the Glen Avon game and Boxing Day, like so. She said it was great, so she'd be back. Has she left the Arsenal rubbish sheet in the different room? Has she? Um, she has um printed all around the house, you see. Um, <laughs> it's an old bed sheet. It's on the wall there, I think. Probably. Yeah, holding it Sunday. Um, <laughs> you must be a nervous boy, Johnny, going into this weekend, are you? Uh, not really? Uh, not see, really. Johnny, Johnny's turned into one of these uh, cocky Liverpool fans. He's like, <laughs> oh, I don't know, I don't know if I can make the show this week, you know, because Liverpool might be in another final. It's just yeah, like, I can't keep up with the finals. Yeah. Always have to look at up my calendar. <laughs> Listen, I compare nerves like we were talking about earlier on to that Anna week. There'd never be any nerves in football compared to that again, Neil. So that's my barometer. So listen, what it'll be, it'll be. You know what we didn't talk about that we should have brought up when we were talking about Diana? The best tactical move of the whole two legs was the advertised hoardings being moved to the edge of the pitch to uh, <laughs> that young Mr. Taylor's long throws. Oh, Never yeah. thought of that. Definitely got an assist in that second leg. That's right, yeah. That's smart. Attention to detail, exactly, Chris. Yeah. That's what Chris was doing when he wasn't taking photographs. He's just <laughs> carefully moving the advertising boards. <laughs> I was just nudging them forward a couple of feet at a time. <laughs> uh, right, guys. Uh, I think I think we'll wrap it up here. Um, before I go, um, I'd just like to say to everybody that's tuned in over the course of the season, uh, thank you very much for for watching and listening to the show. And uh, if we've put you to sleep a few times, uh, I profoundly apologise for that. But Johnny, thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show. And t- the two Chris's, uh, just like the two Ronnies, thank you both uh, <laughs> for, for coming on the show. And we'll hope to have you back on next season. Um, and like I said, you can... If you like and subscribe to We Are Ports TV on YouTube, you can find us on Spotify, etc. And we shall be back in August uh, for next season and we'll be previewing next season. I'm, I'm sure there'll be a few changes uh, in the summer. And But folks, I'll, leave, I'll let you go and have a smashing summer. And uh, Neil, can I just can I just say on, on behalf of the fans and the supporters, big well done and thank you to, to you guys at the media team of the club as well because... The access that you give to supporters who can't get the games or maybe whatever they're doing that they can't get to the matches, you, they're able to follow everything either in text format on the on the social media platforms, they're able to watch the live streams, they're able to listen to us catching on and previewing games. They get to you know the access has been brilliant, and so on behalf of the the, the rest of the supporters, thanks for all that you've done all season because it's been brilliant. No. 
thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> it warms my heart to hear that. Um, but that's what I'm all know. about warming people's hearts. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully that's supported and they're going to be doing next season, and um, we'll be back. Well, it's season starts. I haven't said a date yet. Have this. It's starting early this year because told, the World Cup. I was told tonight the thirteenth of August. Right. Okay. When the season kicks off. Right. Okay. No problem. We'll be, we'll be back um, before the thirteenth of August anyway. Um to preview the upcoming season and thankfully we'll be in the premiership but yes guys listen thanks very much for coming on the show hope you all have a great summer and all Portland fans hope you have a great summer too cheers 